Salam and hello. Welcome to a special edition of Uproot in collaboration with UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund. My name is Lily Begala Piper, and I'm so glad you tuned in. When you hear the word refugee, who do you think of? What images come to mind? Where does your imagination take you? Between 2005 and 2015, the number of child refugees under the UN's High Commission for Refugees mandate more than doubled from 4 to 9 million children. And worldwide, UNICEF estimates that of the millions of refugees, asylum seekers, internally displaced and stateless persons, 28 million of them are children. With that in mind, Uproot and UNICEF traveled to Kakuma Refugee Camp in May of 2019. In this edition of Uproot, you will hear stories from students from Morneau Chapelle and Kakuma Secondary Schools. They shared with us what brought them to the camp, but also what they see as their path out of Kakuma and into their futures. When you hear their stories, what you think of when you hear the word refugee will certainly be forever changed. As you can imagine, with a room full of teenagers, we had lots of moments of laughter and very honest and raw exchange and details about their life and their opinions on the world. Oftentimes, those opinions and laughter made me feel uncomfortable, but I had to pause and remember that these are their stories and their experiences that they are being very brave to share with us. So keep that in mind as you're listening to their experiences. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to Uproot. My name is Lily Bakala Piper and today you are in for an incredible journey. We are recording this episode live at Kakuma Refugee Camp in northern Kenya. Today we are privileged and honored to welcome students from three different schools in the area. Mornu Chapelle, did I say it correct? Yes. All right, Mornu Chapelle Secondary School. Kakuma Secondary School, Angelina Jolie Primary School here in Kakuma. Say hello, everybody. Say welcome, welcome, hello, hello. hello. So welcome, everyone, to the show. We are so glad that you are here. And we are delighted to partner with UNICEF on this very special edition of Uproot. Uproot is a show that explores stories of culture, identity, and we are always thinking about this word home. How do we define home and who we are? All right, Patience, we'll start with you. So hi. Hi. My name is Patience. I'm a South Sudanese by nationality, and uh, I came into the camp in 2014. Hello. Hi. I'm by name Jacqueline. I am from Rwanda. I'm in Form 4. Hi. My name is Nyamal. I'm an Ethiopian by nationality. I'm in Form 3, Monishapel Girls, and I came to Kenya, Kakuma, in 2008. Good afternoon. My name is Lamia. I'm in Form 1. I'm Ethiopia by nationality. And Lamia, when did you come to Kakuma? 2012. 2012. Okay, welcome to all of you. Can we appreciate them? So, young women, young ladies, I think one thing that we really want to start this episode on is for us to hear the circumstances that brought you or your families to Kakuma. So I know these stories are complicated, 
They're not easy to tell, and we really are grateful that you're willing to share your story with us. So Lamia, maybe we'll start with you, and you can just tell us, how did your family come to Kakoma? What brought you here? Why did you have to leave Ethiopia? I came to Kakuma, to Kenya, with my mother due to war, war prevail in Ethiopia. There was a war between two tribes. The fight and my father was among them, the suspect, and they wanted to kill him. So he, has, he escaped from Ethiopia. When he, was, he escaped, they tortured my mom to bring him back. And my mom, she don't know where he went. They tortured her a, lo a lot and jailed her for some months. So when, when she was jailed, we were in my grandmother's home and we were there with my siblings. And how many siblings do you have? I have six siblings. Okay. Two were now in Ethiopia and I have four here. We left two in Ethiopia. We left there with my mom. When the, those people, they told my mom they, to sign a paper that say, if you, bring your, if you don't bring back your husband, we will kill you. And she signed for the sake of her life. Then she, go, she came home. When she came home, she took us, she left the two children with my grandmother, and she took us to, 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 the, to the somewhere. Then she got people on the way, she, she asked for help. Then those people helped help her and she came to Kenya. When we came to Nairobi, we were told there is a place called Akakuma Kam. They, they provide a, a necessary help for those who are in need. Then we came to Kakuma. We, we got a necessary help from the UNHCR. They, help, they, they provide us a shelter and we, we, that, that's how we came to Kenya. And, life in, and adapting their life in Kakuma is quite hard, but now we are used to it. To it. So did you, what about your father, uh, Lamia? Did yeah. you, what happened when, with him? When we came to the Kakuma, we've, we've, we met with my father here. So then, I was very happy when I met my father. Then we, we stay now with him in Kakuma. So now and you're here with your mom, your dad, yeah. and, your, and some of your siblings. Yeah. And the other two siblings are with your grandmother. They're there in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia. Yeah. Have you been able to talk with your siblings since no, you left? I didn't. You haven't talked to them. And yeah. that was 2012 yeah, 2012. That you came. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Okay, Niamal, can you tell us what brought you to Kakuma? Or maybe even beyond that, I know you have more than just Kakuma in your story. So tell us what brought you here eventually. Actually, what brought me to Kakuma, I can't explain it very well, but I have to explain it because my mother have orientated me through some, some of the things that made me to come to Kakuma. When I came to Kakuma refugee camp, I wasn't older. I was a little child by that time. But the reason is why I've came to the camp is because of war back at home in Ethiopia. My mother narrated to me the story because that time I was a young kid, a young girl, in fact. My mom told me that the war broke out in the village and the war was because, you know, as the, 
the people who are living in that village, we were, I am a New Ethiopian. And of course, you can't judge from me the tribe I'm from or the country I'm from if I haven't told you that I'm in Ethiopia. Yeah. Of course, I'm black. I have a black complexion. Yeah. So that was the one of the problems. So let me just explain for some people who may not know about the Nuer tribe in Ethiopia that they are from Gambella region, which is in the very western corner of Ethiopia. So you were just saying that some people, when they look at you, they don't think that you're Ethiopian. They think you are from another country. Yeah, actually, that was the one of the cause root of the war because the people of the government, they were demanding our people to move from the area, exclaiming that you guys are not of this area, you're not of the part of Ethiopia. Mm. Of course, your complexion even doesn't define who you are, so you live. But the community members didn't, didn't even allowed to go. They didn't want to go. Mm. And then a sudden morning, the war, the war broke out. My father was arrested, though it's a, a sad story for me if I can just reflect back. I didn't know where he was, but my mom came and told us that he was arrested because he won't it was among the local community leaders, and they were suspected that they were the people who were inciting the community members not to agree with the, what the government said. Yeah. The long journey to Kenya was so hard. My mom carried me and my younger one. We are six in our family, four girls and two boys. I am the, the dad last. My younger brother was carried, and me, another boy carried me because we were many when we are coming to Kenya. This has been my home for the last 10 years. The last 10 and years. And of course, I've just taken it as my home. Yeah. I've embraced it. And how old are you now? I'm 18 years old. 18, so now a majority of your life has been here than before in Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Niamal. Okay, Jacqueline, tell us your story. Good afternoon. Uh, as I told you earlier, my name is Jacqueline. I was born in Nairobi. I think most of you know the slums called Kawangware. Yeah, I was born there, but uh, my mother narrated to me the, sto the story uh, behind there in Rwanda. Uh, my mother came to Rwanda due to the war that was, the genocide that was there. My mother came to Kenya in 2000. The war that was there was really, really terrible. My mother first narrated to me that she was very young when the, the war broke out, so she decided to be married when she was 14 years because she did not know how to come to Kakuma. She did not have, have any idea to come from Rwanda to go to another country. So she decided to be married by my father. I don't remember the year, but she was 14 years. She came to Kenya. After com coming to Kenya, she went to Nairobi there in the slums. Uh, you know the, the tribes, eh? in our country there we have three tribes. So my mother was the, the minority tribe that was being killed there. My, my father is a Hutu, my mother is a Tusi. So they were fighting against each other. So after my, my father married my mother, then there in Rwanda they came to, to Nairobi, my father started uh, to tell my mother, you know these things that boys usually tell girls, you, you are the one who came, I, I, I just picked you from there and then I just married you like this, like this, and then, <laughs> and then she started uh, beating my mother, beating, 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 until... Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Gosh. 
So she, she. Okay, wait a minute. Let me just interrupt you, Jacqueline. Are we clapping for the beating? Okay, why, why are we clapping? Huh? You're clapping because they, you, she's telling the story well? Yes. You're supporting her? Yes. Okay. So in case people are listening and they're confused, why are they clapping? I just want to explain to our listeners that we are in a room with about 100 people. Everybody here is a refugee. Everyone here has had very tough experiences. So the laughter you hear, the applause you hear is to support Jacqueline as she tells us this really hard story. So Jacqueline, we are with you. We're with you, so continue your story. After the beating, my mother decided to come to Kakuma. It was 2010 in October. So when she came to Kakuma, she left me with my two, two younger brothers there in Nairobi. We stayed with my grandma from my, my, my father's side. So after my mother came to Kakuma, the life there in Nairobi was very hard. The war broke in here in Kakuma in 2014. So my mother decided to come to, to Nairobi. After she came to Nairobi, he did not have a comfortable life because my father was there. So we decide, she decided we go to Dadab. And me, I decided I will not stay back, I will go with my mother. So we went in Dadab, we stayed like nine months. There in the dub, life is not easy. The distance between where I was and, uh, and, and in school, it was very, very far. So my mother decided we come to Kakuma. I came to Kakuma in 2016, where I joined Mont Chapelle Secondary School. So in, uh, in 2017, my mother died because of diabetes. It was very hard to cope with that, but I went to LWF Protection Center, I was given a foster parent that I'm living with. I have six siblings. So you and your six siblings are now with a foster family since your mom passed away, and we're so sorry for that. Mm. Um, and, and technically, Jacqueline, I guess in some way you are also helping to lead your siblings. Are you, are you the firstborn of the siblings that are here? No, I'm the secondborn. You're secondborn, okay. Thank you for telling us your story. Okay, Patience, tell us how you came to live in Kakuma. Okay, so actually, uh, I'm a, as I said, I'm a South Sudanese, but uh, I was not born in South Sudan. I was born in Kampala, Uganda, where I stayed with both my mom and my dad. So since I grew up, I used to wonder how my homeland would look like since the years that uh, I've been born somewhere else. So in Uganda, that's when I started my education. I went for my pre-unit school, and uh, I also assessed my primary school there. And uh, I would always tell dad yes to take me to South Sudan, but dad did not like it because he knew that back home in South Sudan, they had a lot of political problems. So we stayed there. I remember I stayed in Uganda for almost 13 years. But when it reached to the year 2014, my dad decided that he wanted to go for a visit in South Sudan. So I was not happy, but uh, I remained with my mom in Uganda. So when he left, his journey was successful. He came from Kampala, Uganda to South Sudan. So he went and stayed there for some time. And then the war broke out. When the war broke out, the war found him there. Actually, I remember we spent like almost one week without talking to him. And uh, my mom had had the news that my dad has been killed in South Sudan. But she did not want to tell me because she knew that it will distract me so much because I... I used to love my dad more than my mom. 
So when my mom saw that this was no use of keeping, so she just had to reveal the truth to me. I remember she called me and told me that my dad was killed. And then when I had this, I feel like my dreams were so much despairate. So I, I, I got no use to life again. I said that if the person that I was living for was gone, so I wonder really what I, it means to go back to school and life without uh, a dad will act like. And then most of the high dreams that I had before, I felt they were now of no use. But my mom also encouraged me. She told me if I'll be the one letting her down, and while she did not go to school and I'm the firstborn, things will not be better. So we continued staying for some months in the city, but since we had not been able to pay all the fees like the bills and the payment of the house, the renting and all that, so the little money that we had in the account, I remember we just had to start a journey to Kakuma refugee camp whereby we will be getting things for free. And then when we came to Kakuma, <laughs> when we came to Kakuma, we were received by the UNHCR whereby they gave us a shelter and uh, everything, like as I said before, but most of these things did not make me happy because I had seen some things that I've never seen since I was born. So I remember I came from a city and uh, the food that I had received for the first time was so much challenging because it was my first time to see something like that. And the rooms that we were staying, I remember since I was born, there are rooms that have not even got closer to. So I wonder if it was really a house or something. And this but, is this is Jacqueline. You're talking about when you uh, patients. You're talking about when you came to yeah, Kakuma. Yeah, when I arrived this in Kakuma. This food. What was the food? Do you remember? I remember it was yellow beans, something like. Uh, yeah. It wasn't yeah. what you were used to. Yeah, it was not what I was used yeah. to. It was quite different. Yeah. And then the buildings that I had got used to were so different from the buildings that I found here. So we could sleep in a tent, and the hotness of Kakuma. You cannot get into a tent when it's daytime. Mom told me to go to school, but. All these things that I was seeing, that like uh, I don't, I got no use again to school because I told her if my dad who has been my sole provider died without any repay of me, so I should not go to school again because I remember I was starting to pay him. I go to school because I don't want to let him down because he was the one who paid my everything. But when he passed away, whom am I working for? And then my mom will tell me that, do I look at her as if she's no use to my life? So this what will hurt me. Though the school was a tent, not a school that uh, I prefer to go to, but I had to force myself because it will act like I love my mom more than my dad. So I didn't want to show that to my mom. I went and registered in the school. I kept the hope alive. Uh, that time when I came, I used not to know our language so well because there in Uganda, even if we are at home or at school, we would speak English. We do not speak any other language. But when the children from the refugee communities of South Sudan Whenever I don't get some words, they may tell me that I'm pretending, I'm showing off. So life was a bit hard. I could mm. not get, it wouldn't be easy for me to copy with this life. But because I had a strong soul, whatever they tell me, I just take it easy as normal. So I got caught to their life. And um, in 2017, that's when I, my dreams become strong again. I joined the school of Montchapel Girls Secondary School. Patients started to talk about something that I also want to ask the rest of the young ladies, Naima, maybe you can answer for us, and also Lumia. When you first came to Kakama, did you feel welcome here? Patients is saying, you know, it was hard with other children. They, she didn't speak the same language as her ethnic group. There are other ways maybe she felt didn't feel welcome. The food was strange. But for you, did you feel welcome here when you arrived? 
for me, I can say that when I came to this place, I came and just embraced it. What was my only need was I would just like to see a child around and we start playing with her or him. We start playing the the games that I used to play there. But when I came here, I found that the people were different. Mm. I, I see people that I, I didn't knew before. How, how so, are people different? How, how did you see them as different? For me, the people that we are living in the same community, I didn't saw them there. My, my usual friends where? in the reception where we were received. Okay. Yeah. For me, I feel rejected. I used just to keep quiet. You know, I'm a jovial person. I like to play. I like to chat. Yeah. I like to sing, or I like to have friends. Yeah. But despite the fact that I didn't know people, but I've start, I started knowing the friends and the family friends, the family friends who are living near us in the reception. Though the, we were not talking the same language, I just came and used the fingers. By, by, <laughs> by the way, I learned that little children can understand themselves. For me, that time, I was eight years old. I was not that... I used to play, even though she's a very little child or a little boy, we just have to play because I don't have any other person. But yeah. for me inside, I was, I was feeling so lonely, so rejected. My mom was keeping quiet. My bigger brother, my, my eldest brother and sister, they knew what happened and they knew where my father was. They were sorrowful. They, they don't want to play with me the way they used to play with me. So for me, I didn't understand anything. I didn't know anything. So, you so had I to was make like friends. confused. Every yeah. person is, I'm in my own world. I want to chat with my mom. My mom just keep quiet. Yeah. Some of the time I might find her crying. I find my sister crying. My brother is sorrowful. For me, I was left alone, standing, looking for this person. My mom here, my brother here. I was confused. I don't know whom to talk with. So those uh, early memories, those early experiences were hard. You were isolated. You were alone. Yeah. But eventually you started to make connections in the community, yeah. yeah? And we'll talk about that more. But let me ask also, Lamia, did you, when you arrived here, did you feel welcome? Did you find other people you could relate to? At first, I was uncomfortable living in a temporary structure called a home. Yeah. It was very hot and dirty. It's hardly rain. It was very hot and hardly rain. That one discouraged me a lot. Mm. But I was very happy because I met my, my father. Yes, so that made a difference for yeah. you. Huh? Jacqueline, as you have been now with the foster family and your situation has changed so much from Dadaab, from Kangware, how have you, do you feel welcome here? Has Kakuma felt like a home for you? Yes, because my foster parent is just like my mother. Yeah. So you have a good foster mother? Yes. What, what is it about her that you appreciate? Because she does not look about our nationality, because we are not from one nationality. Okay, where is she from? She's from Burundi. Okay, okay. And what, did, what, what else do you appreciate about her? You were starting to say you're not the same nationality, but T tell she me also, the rest. She also takes care of my six, six siblings very well. Uh, yes, just yeah. like a mother. Yeah, so having her has made a, a big difference for you. Yeah. That's a blessing. I'm glad, glad to hear that. So what, maybe one of you can tell us, what's a normal day for you? Uh, Morneau Chapelle is a boarding school, so I'm sure when you're here, your days are very organized. But when there's a school break and you're back in Kakuma and the refugee camp, can you tell me what a normal day looks like? What do you do in the morning? What do you do in the middle of the day? 
How does the day end for you? Maybe just one of you. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Actually, my day starts here at school. My typical day starts at 4.30 a.m. to 10, 10, 10 p.m. in the evening. Wow. So what do you do at 4.30? How does your day start? What do you do? I, from 4.30 to 4, I usually take a bath. 5 to 5. 4.30 oh, to 5. 4.30 <laughs> to 5. Yeah. I usually take a bath. From 5 to 6, I go for morning preps. From 6 to 6.30, I take my tea break. From 7, 7 to 9.00, 7 to I, I go for lessons at class. Okay, so what are, what are morning preps? In case we don't know, preps. what's morning prep? Studying. Yeah, Are you studying? personal okay. studying. Personal studies, okay. So then by 7 or 30 or so, you're in class. Yeah. Okay. Now, if it's a term break, half term, maybe you can tell us, uh, Nyamal, what do you do like on a Saturday when it's a half term break and you're not in school? What does your day entail? As usual for me at home, I do wake up at 6.00 a.m. in the morning. When, my, when I found my elder sister, she have went to the tap to fetch water. I'll just go to the kitchen and check if she have light the fire. We'll, we'll prepare the breakfast if there is breakfast. Because breakfast is not, it's just a priority. That's not a right in camp. It's a priority. <laughs> if we have the chance to get the breakfast, I can go and prepare it. Because, yeah, it's a priority. It's not a priority. Just, it's not a right. It's a priority. I see. So, if uh, I prepare the breakfast, and then my sister will be the one to prepare the lunch. There I'll be helping maybe if there are some closets for my younger siblings, I wash I washes them. And then after that, 10, 10.40, at 10.40 a.m., I might go to the library. Okay. And then and write the notes in the library. And then I came back at 1.00. I might find lunch by good luck. Yeah, by or, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Who will make lunch, your older sibling? My, my elder sister. Yeah, your older sister. Then after the lunch, the afternoon will be chatting or doing the other chaos. And then at 4.00 p.m., I'll go to the basketball court and play Okay. Jacqueline, let me ask you. Um, you. You have a unique situation in that you're in a foster family. You're also really leading your siblings. For you, what's the most challenging part of your life? For me, the most challenging part in my life is coming to school without, uh, without shopping. You mean supp supplies that you need for school? What, such as what? What, what are you lacking? Um, like fruits. Uh, <laughs> you know, we first think about the stomach. Yes. Like, <laughs> we all, that's something that's true. That's true everywhere in the world. Everyone thinks yes, about the, the second one, like the set books, you know. But right now I'm finishing. I have them because they are in our school. Yeah. Um, I think those are the most challenging things yeah. because others, my foster parents, gives me. Okay, Namiya, how about for you? What do you find as the hardest part of living in a refugee camp? Following the bad friends and. Go, go following the bad friend who can who can 
disrupt my dreams. Yeah, okay. And spoil my life. Yeah. This so is what I hear. That's I a challenge for you, is yeah. finding good friends who can be positive influence on your life. Yeah. Have you found any in, in school? How about in school? Is there anything that's challenging about school? No. No, school is okay. Yeah. You found good friends here. Yeah. Yeah, great. So let me ask you, you guys are now in, in secondary school. What advice would you give to those younger students? We have some students here from the Angelina Jolie Primary School. There are many thousands of primary students, tens of thousands in Kakuma. What advice would you give to those students in primary school? Class one, class two, maybe class five students. Maybe they're just arriving from South Sudan or from Rwanda or Congo. What would you say to those students, those young ones? So what I would like to tell them is like, when you are starting school, actually you don't feel how, how sweet it will be in front. Like I remember when I was in primary, in my early class once, I used not to love school. Whenever my dad tells me to go to school, I would hide under the bed. But when, what I want to like to tell them is that they will just keep their hope alive because there was always reach a time that you will always enjoy the fruits of the education that you're having. Fantastic. Thank you, Patience. Anybody else have advice for younger students? Jacqueline. I would like to advise them. Being born in, in a refugee camp is not a crime. A crime is born, being born poor and dying poor. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. What I would like to pass or to tell anybody that's hearing this is that for you refugees, you can do anything. The opportunities and the priorities that are coming across every human being are not for other people or are not for refugees, are not spe specialized for anybody. You can get anything if you are determined to eat. And keep your dreams strong. Keep your dreams alive. You can make a change and be a better f person in the, in the society, better than anybody you thought is better. The advice I will give is, I will give is that being a refugee does, does, should not divine us. It is only a condition that awakens us, awakens you, conscience, to work for better tomorrow. And educating the, the new generation is like educating the world. We, can, we as a refugee, we can change the world into a better place and keep the, and keep the peace. Wow, thank you. So I also want to know, I have kids also who are your age. What do you do for fun? I like playing basketball. You're also basketball? Yeah. Wow, this school is having some serious basketballers. That's great. How about you, Naima? You said you like basketball also, but what else do you do for fun? For me, I like sports. You like sports? All of the sports, but I have identified my talent in basketball playing. At school, I do play football. Okay. Because at our school, you don't have a basketball court. Ah. But for me, at home, I have my personal ball for basketball. If I feel so tired or I need to, I need to go and relax, I just go to the basketball pitch, it's near home, and then I go play there. Or if not me, I like chatting stories. Okay. I, I do go and visit my friends, maybe. Or if my friends have come to visit me, we'll just be chatting, we'll be singing, we'll be playing. Fantastic. My school friends, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yema, I think you can have a podcast like this. 
Do you think she can do a podcast like this, this show? Yeah, I think so. You have a talent. Okay. How about you, Jacqueline? What do you do for fun? I like playing football. Football. Do you have a favorite footballer or a favorite club you like? Yes. Who do you pull for? Who's your team? Chelsea. Chelsea. (laughs) So everybody is wearing, the school uniforms here are blue. So is that why you support Chelsea? Yes. (laughs) There's nobody pulling for Man City or the others? Arsenal? Okay. So I have to ask you, my, my family, we pull for Liverpool. Anybody Liverpool? Oh, three of you. Okay. <laughs> it's a, we, we, we never walk alone, right? <laughs> okay. Patience, how about you? What do you do for fun? Mm, I love music or I love telling stories. Okay. So I heard you also sing? Yeah. What do you sing? What kind of music? I do hip-hop music. Ah, you do hip-hop? Yeah. Can you do a song for us? Yeah. A, sh- a short one? Kidogo? Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to hear Patience sing? Yeah! <laughs> All right. Patience, sing something for us. So I have a song that I had wrote. It was, I remember the first time when I reached here. So it's how I felt for my country. Like the sorrow that Mm. I have for South Sudan. Mm. So I sing my chorus like this. Why do people of my nation die every day? I really want to try to make a change. Because I don't want to hear any cries no more. No more. Why do people of my nation die every day? I really want to try to make a change. Because I don't want to hear any cries no more. No more. When I wake up in the morning, people don't talk, only gunshot shouting. People don't smile, only when they see blood. Children in the streets crying every day and night. This life is getting hard, never thought to live in. While I need your help to come and rescue these orphans. They never wish to live without a mommy or daddy. I cry every day while my people die like fish. African leaders, we need be not corruption. Everybody say no to earlier poverty. Yeah. Put your hands up, say yes to human rights. Leave me on the street while my life in disbelief. I cry every day. Plants like flies in the nation kill a malini damu. Nataka to Amani. I wanna be safe. Patience, thank you for that. Thank you for that. That's incredible. Wow, wow, wow. So I think in time I'll be going to your basketball games. Then Patience maybe will be singing the national anthem that day. And Jacqueline will be, you know, after that we go to Jacqueline's football match. So that really makes me really proud just to see how all of you are finding ways to be kids, you know, because your situations have forced you in some ways to grow up faster than you should have had to grow up. But I'm so glad to see that you're finding a way to have fun and that you're refusing to just be serious all the time. So that's, that's pretty fantastic. So let me ask you a question. You've talked about keeping peace and, and making a change. Let's say UNICEF or UNHCR came to you and said, Niamal, we're giving you one million shillings you can do anything in, refuge, in Kaukuma refugee camp. Any program, you can buy anything. What would you do with that one million shillings? For me, Nyamal, what I'd like to be in the future, I want to be a women activist. Okay. In our local communities, let me say instant South Sudanese, whom I've stayed mostly with them in the refugee camp, there's this something called male chauvism. Mm-hmm. The women are being looked down on. They are told that they are the 
the people who are supposed to do house cares or the people who are supposed to do or they are supposed to be, let me say, possessions. For example, they are supposed to be exchanged with something. Yeah, so women are like possessions. Yeah, yeah. I like possessions. Yeah. But for me, I think I'll just have to, for me like me, I'll start a project that will make women to see their strong side or strength or to see their potential images whom they are going to become and make them know that they are important people, they are important part of the society. Without them, the human can't be human, I think. That's right. So I'll just like to make women know that they are able. Fantastic. Okay, patience, let me ask you. If you, UNICEF gave you a one million shillings and said you can do any program with this, what, would, what program would you bring to Kakuma? I would, I would open a program whereby all girls can be able to access to boarding school like Mon Chapelle mm. so that they can go and get their better future because in the communities, girls don't get access to quality education. Mm. So if I get a chance of being given that money, I'll make sure that not only the girls but whoever who's living in the camp should access to a better education facilities so that they can be better people. Jacqueline, let me ask you, um, when you think about the future, what's your dream for yourself? For me, I have many dreams. One is to become a journalist. Two is to become an, a chief chef. Uh, and the third one is to become an actress. Wow, okay. Uh, Lamia, what do you dream about for your future? My dream, I have many dreams. First is I want to be a lawyer. Okay. Yeah. I want to advocate for women's rights in Ethiopia. Okay. Second, I want to be an ambassador of peace. Wow. Because we as a refugee, through peace, we can mend our countries mm. one day when we go back. So, you know, Lamia, you're saying something quite powerful. Sometimes when I've talked to refugees since I came to Kakuma, many will say, I don't want to go back to my home country. That's off the table. It's not an option for me. But do you want to go back to Ethiopia? Yes, I would like to go back to Ethiopia, but not now. Yes. I want first study and be, be stable financially. Okay. Then I will go and help my people and the, even the world. Patience, do you have a definition of success? Like my definition of success is, uh, success to me is a way of trying to undermine all your past events in hope of a better life in future. Mm -hmm. So that, believing that tomorrow can be even better, no matter what's behind you, huh? How about you, Niamal? What about for you? What will success look like for you in the future? In a short term, I can say that getting what you are destined for, mm. reaching toward your destiny. That's success. Okay. So some of us have, you've told us what your dreams are for the future, the work that you want to do for yourself, which is very, very exciting. And I, I can't wait to see what you will do. Um, let me ask you, and anyone can answer this question. What is something that other people outside of Kakuma, we don't understand about refugees? What are the things that make you strong here? When you look at your classmates here, we have 100 plus students here, your communities back in the camp. What makes you strong? Yeah, actually, 
what I can say that the people outside the camp doesn't understand about us or they don't get about us is that I think they, they don't know that we can achieve or they don't think that we can do something big or better. Yeah. yeah. But for us here, I know that all of us, we have gone through tough, tough things. We have gone, we have seen, seen many things that, that are so, so challenging to us. For other people, they can think that we can't do think of it. But for us here, we are destined and we, we know that even me, we are going to do many things, big things that are going to amuse the world. We are going to achieve our dreams. As you can see, we are in schools. We are going to build a country back as for Lamia, she wants to be peace ambassador, same to me also. Yes. We just want to go back to our countries and make it a comfortable life so that our grandchildren, for instance, maybe, or other relatives for us in the country can live a better life. And we'll be proud to say that we are the one who promote peace in our countries. That's fantastic. Thank you. How about you, Jacqueline? What are the things that you see that make people strong here in Kakuma? What are the things that maybe other people, they don't know about you, they don't know, understand about community that you're in? In my community, like somebody like me when I'm finishing Form 4 is a great achievement for me. So in our community, they think girls, they don't have any dreams. But when... But here we have a lot of dreams. Like me, I have many dreams. So I would like to tell the people who are going to watch this video that people, uh, refugees in Kakuma, they have dreams. And yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, you you've all, we've, we've taken a lot of time and we're going to switch now to the boys. So my last question for you, where is home for you? Where is home? For me, my home is in Kakuma because I don't know where my country. Yeah. For me, home is the place where you, you feel happy to live in. Yeah. So for you, where is that, Niamal? Where do you feel that happiness? For me, home, for now, home is Kakuma. But yeah. I know that I'll find a better place to call home in, in, future. in future. For me now, my home is Kakuma. But in future, my home will be Ethiopia. Okay. And Patience, how about for you? you? You've not even been to South Sudan, even though you're South Sudanese. Where do you consider home? So, like to say, because if I've not been born from South Sudan, I wouldn't be in Kakuma. So I call South Sudan as the first home, and then my home in bracket will be Kakuma because it's where I <laughs> That's great. So Kakuma in brackets. Yeah. And in the future, could be? In the future, it will be South Sudan because I'm still proud of it. Okay. So I think we have to really appreciate these young ladies. They were brave to share their stories and the challenges they face, but also they've inspired me with their stories, and I am convinced that you will change not only your own lives, but you'll make an impact on your community. And I think on behalf of all of the adults here, we will say we're so proud of you. UNICEF and Uproot were also very pleased to welcome four young men to the show. Majok, Suleiman, Ismail, and Uproot shared with us what life is like for them in the camp 
and their aspirations for the future. Like many others, Majok came to Kakuma seven years ago when civil war began in South Sudan. His mother fled to Khartoum and his father was killed. Majok is in his last year of secondary school. Suleiman is from the Democratic Republic of the Congo and lives in Kakuma with a foster parent and foster sibling. He left the Congo at a young age after his parents were killed and has been in the camp for nine years. Abut comes from Sudan and has been in Kakuma for four years. He has high hopes for his future and is still navigating life in the camp. Ismail has been in Kakuma the longest. After his parents died, he left Somalia with extended family and arrived in the camp in 2008. He has five siblings who still live in Somalia. So good afternoon, everyone. So we are continuing our conversation in Kakuma Refugee Camp this afternoon with some really brilliant youth who are taking time out of their schedule to share their stories. We have a panel of young men who are joining us from Kakuma Secondary School. So can we welcome them? Okay, thanks for welcoming me here. I'm by the name of Boots Suleiman Tiso. I'm a Sudanese by nationality. I've arrived here in Kakuma in 2015, January. Okay. I'm a Form 3 student. I'm by name Suleimani Amani. I'm a Congolese by nationality. I'm in Form 3. I came in Kakuma in 2010. I have nine years now. Okay. Asante. Okay. Hi to everyone. Hi. I am by the name Ismail Hassan. I am by nationality Somali, and I am in Form 2. Hi, everybody. Hi. Yes, I'm by the name of Jack Mayol, South Sudanese by nationality, resident in Kakumwan, Zone 3, Block 1. Uh, some people call me Braka Obama, <laughs> meaning uh, I'm the former uh, president of Kakuma Refugee Secondary School. Uh, I'm now in Form 4. Hey. Thank you for the chance. Okay. I came here in Kakuma in the year 2012. I have so many years in the camp. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for telling your stories. Yeah, Abut, since you have the microphone, you want to start for us? What are your dreams for yourself? And what do you need to reach that dream? What are the, skill, the skills, especially, you think you need to reach that dream? Okay. Um, Actually, I had uh, two dreams when I was young. I wanted to be an activist because our country is bad, in a bad condition. And the other thing is that uh, I want to be an engineer. So now, as, uh, according to me, what I think is the skills that I require is that uh, maybe the introduction of most uh, part of maybe like the physics and those subjects that pertain engineering should be done more practical than the way we are doing them theoretically. Okay, so, so you want practical engineering training. Do you see that as a possibility for yourself here in Kakuma, or where, where do you think that you can get those skills? Okay, everywhere life can be possible. It, only it is only your determinations that determines. It, not, it is not the place or where you come from or where you are heading to, but your wish and the determination that you have for the goal you have set in your life. Yeah. Thank you, that's excellent. 
Okay, so you can pass the microphones to Suleiman and I ask you this, the same question. What do you dream for yourself and what are the, goal, the skills that you might need to accomplish your dreams? As in my country, there is a political crisis, so I want to be a politician. I qualify to be I want to do international relationships in my study. So as I was told that the history, it is mostly in history. So since I have not given birth to any child, I always work with history textbook as my kid. So I want to perfect it. Um, so for, for you, your, your, your kid at this point is your studies. Yeah, my studies. <laughs> okay. uh, for me, as international relationship. I don't need a lot of practical, but just need more uh, to be taught a lot, to know more about politics, about the people. So what I need is a qualified teacher, uh, qualified schools, so that I can perfect more about my dreams. Yeah, thank you, Suleiman, thank you. Okay. Ismail, what about you? I have three, three, three dreams in my mind since I was born, I was young. And those are, one, to become a civil engineer. Two, a counter. The third one is pilot. The reason why I say is, those three things I have mentioned, we are like there in the country. Hmm. Okay, Majok, how about for you? What's your dream for yourself and what are the skills that you need? I, I like what uh, Ismail said, I, I, or Suleiman, sorry. He said, I need qualified teachers and a qualified school. So according to your dreams, Thank what are you. the skills you uh, need? And, and we'll make it brief. I want to be a president of education. So this one, I, I can say I have skill on that situation because I know, and I, I, since uh, when I was 14 years, I was in a group of people, they may not select other person rather than me. So I used to lead people. Like uh, in Kakumara Fujisun School, uh, I was the president to the 3,700 students that I managed to lead. Definitely that one defined that I have a skill of leadership. Also, I'm a leader somewhere in the community and societies. I'm also a leader. And I believe uh, through education, I'll uh, develop this skill of mine so that I can be a friend in the future. Fantastic. Wow. It's so interesting to hear you talk about skills you need and then skills you already have. That's so good for us to hear as those who don't live here to understand that students in your school, people in your community have skills already. What maybe they don't have as much is opportunity. Yeah, it's the opportunity to use those skills. So let me ask you, all four of you have big dreams. All four of you are young men in this community, but from different home countries. You heard the female students talking earlier and they face a lot of challenges. They have the normal challenges like you do of completing school and pursuing their dreams. But then they have other cultural challenges like early marriage or female genital mutilation, FGM, that they face. 
They have discrimination. One of our young ladies said that she wants to be a women's rights activist to get rid of male chauvinism. But what is something that young men can do to support young women? What do you think? I wish I could have a sister. Mm. Though I don't have, so I do take any girls as my sister. Mm. So my advice is I, I want to be a peace ambassador. So you are lucky because I'll be helping you. Those challenges that you face, maybe your kids and your grandchildren won't face them again. Thank you, Suleiman. Abot, let me ask you. Uh, Sudan has been facing very exciting political changes. Have you been following the news the last uh, month or two? And a lot of women have been leading this political movement in Sudan, and it's the rest of us around the world, we're watching them and we're inspired. So what is your role as a young man in new society that, in a Sudan that you might find in five, 10 years, what is your role as a young man to support also your sisters back home? Okay, first of all, I want to ask God to make me just be alive for that time, you say it. Uh, actually, in Sudan, the first one, the first person who led in the, the rebellion or the overthrowing of the government recently was a lady. Yes. So that one has happened to me in 2009. That one has already happened because uh, we were with my, one of my sisters who was older than me. Now my father was uh, in a condition that uh, one of us should go for studies. So it was like a choice to make. So it was very difficult indeed, but I told him that... Uh, for me, even though I don't go now, I still have the time because I can't get married. But my sister can. So my sister came to Kenya in that time, and she actually finished even in Mont Chapel wow. in this school in 2016. That's wow. the time she finished. And now she's acting as my role model. So I want, uh, after this, uh, when I become uh, whatever I want to dream, the dreams, if mm -hmm. I fulfill them, I would have to make sure girls get their first priority because it is said that <laughs> it is said that uh, if you educate a woman, you educate a nation, but a man is only one. Wow, wow, wow. I'm, I'm inspired. That's really amazing because you're saying, you know, my, I've already done this. My sister already took that first place and now she's my role model and my job is then to support other sisters to do the same. Thank you for that. Thank you to all three of you. So as you, this, this podcast, this show will be shared with people all over the world. What is the message that you want them to know about you, about Kakuma Refugee Camp, about other refugee students? I wish even I could be live on all channels over the world so that they see what I'm going to say now. Uh, what I'm going to tell people is that Refugees are real people. Refugee can do anything. A refugee has the ability to be anyone you want to be. In a refugee camp, we can raise a president in a refugee camp. We can raise anyone. And refugees, though, are suffering, but they are trying their best to be someone who they want to be in their future. So, to the world, Take a refugee as a normal person and care as the way you care other people. Wow, thank you so much. Thank you, Smira. Majok, let me ask you a different question. You have been here in Kenya for seven years. 
Does Kenya feel like home to you? Do you think about yourself as a Kenyan? Or how do you define your own identity? Thank you so much. Uh, uh, it is the right question. Uh, but, uh, you know, I feel the first day when I arrived in the reception, uh, it was at four. When I see everybody running the field, I assume that there was fighting again there. Uh, <laughs> after now, uh, you know, I don't, yeah, I, I have no problem. But the only thing I miss, because, you know, uh, when we were stuck, when the youth gather, and, you know, gather in one place on the tree, the only thing that we do is just to remove our guns and then we prepare them for the fight tomorrow. But here in Kakuma, we don't have guns so that we can waste time again. So we are here focusing to the education. Therefore, I feel like Kenya is really awesome uh, with the peaceful. Okay, thank you. Okay. Abut, you've been here just four years, so you must have memories of Sudan. What feels like home to you? Okay, actually, Kenya to me is a home because a home is where you feel you are comfortable and your mind is free. Actually, here I'm free. But I can't say this is my permanent home because I know one day, one time, I have to go back to, my, to Sudan because uh, it is my God-given work there. I have to go and implement it. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. What advice would you give to those young people, younger than you, who are just now arriving in Kakuma? What would you say to them to encourage them? Suleiman, you have a thought about that? What would you say to a, a yeah, young, yeah, a young I'll, child? Um, I'll be quietly open. First, Kakuma is not easy. Kakuma is a bit hard. Um, condition of weather is a bit hard. As for myself, when I came here, I find a lot of things different. When I was in Congo, our house was near to the seashore. So when I waited to go in school, I just walked up and just running up to the lake. Yeah. But when I found here in Kakuma, I ran up to something like 10 kilometers, I did not find anything. Yeah. A lager is there, but dry. So Kakuma is not that easy, but here in Kakuma, there is people with talent. Here in Kakuma, you can find your dream here in Kakuma. As for myself, I accept the condition. And I said, I said to myself, I won't let myself down. I tried my best. I tried, I tried to find something that will at least keep me busy here in Kakuma. And uh, I choose a talent. I'm a model. And I, I took a position of being Mr. Youth of Kakuma Refugee Camp. So, let me tell my fellow new arrival, we do call them new arrivals, Kakuma is a better place and you can be wherever you want to be here in Kakuma. Wow. So to, to be Mr. Youth Kakuma, was that something you were voted, people voted for you, or you were selected by an organization? No, I was not voted, but uh, it is a competition. Okay. I compete and I tried my best because I really need to work hard. I struggle for my winning. Hmm. Yeah, I work hard, I compete with others, and I... And you were successful. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. You've been in the camp, all of you, for some time, long enough to see the good things. You've mentioned those good things being the potential of people who are here, how hard people work, the, the dreams and the skills they have. And then you've also seen, I'm sure, the bad things. 
the things that are difficult. So when you, if you could talk to the UN or the other donors, other organizations here, what are the things you would like them to focus on? Firstly, the bad thing in Kakuma is weather condition. But, <laughs> but I don't no think way, they can change the weather no condition. There's no way weather can be changed. <laughs> yeah. But there's other, a lot of things that are bad in Kakuma, especially I'll talk about general, like the issue of water. Uh, here in Kakuma, there is some places, because we have community zones and that, there is some zones which they do stay for even a week without receiving water. As in, in my community, we have never experienced that. We always have water, but I do get that pain seeing others are suffering ground, coming to our community, begging for water. So, and there are a lot of things that here, like insecurities, uh, hospital. No, hospital are here, but treatment are very few. Because when you find, when you go to the hospital, a few number of those who are returning back home are very few than those who are, we are t putting them in the grave. That means mm. treatment is very few and uh, we need, we really need a change on that. On healthcare. Things of water, same to security, we really need a change here in Kakuma. Okay. Actually Kakuma, I love, I love Kakuma because I'm known here and I find a good name here in Kakuma. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you for that. Abut, uh, Majok, you want to say something, okay? Let's go to Majok and then Abut, uh, hear from you also. So, you know, I want to differentiate two things. Uh, I think we are here in Kakuma Abedofutria. Uh, actually, we used to receive food from the donors. Uh, we can't deny that. But uh, what I can say here, you know, if the donors are going to keep continuing feeding us for 100 years to come, and when we walk out Kakuma, we are going to forget. But when they educate us and they give us knowledge, I think we will not forget the knowledge that we receive. Mm. Yeah. Uh, then what I was trying to say there, it is just like uh, if it is good for the donors and all the united agencies to put their hand together so that they can at least uh, educate this uh, war shell. When I say war shell, because I was born in the war and I grew up in the war, mm. you know. Uh, so if they can put their hand together so that they can achieve our dream through education, not every food, but they can't deny food. When they give us food, we eat the food to make sure we walk up to our okay. uh, a school. A school like my school, you see, in Kakum Refugee, we have now uh, 3,700. In one class, you can find 150 students, which is very hard. And that leads to the failure of the student. If it would good for our donors, they could even divide it. This uh, such a school to be like in a three school. You can't define even in uh, the whole Kenya one school uh, having three thousand five hundred or something. That one meaning it's a national school. Uh, that one I want to hatch our donors so that we can do something. At least fourteen to forty-five students should be in one class. That will help us. These are not the girls who are with us in the community. We have almost one million girls. But they cannot feed in Montchapel. We can at least, if our donors can create, you know, another room for girls to have a second boarding school, and the boys should be having a second boarding school, I think we can work out. You will not, 
the donors will not keep on continue to help us 10 years to come. Meaning if they indicate more refugee, the, this refugee will turn up and help their brothers. Yeah. But if they are providing food without education, how are we going to survive? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Abut, do you have some ideas? What are some of your suggestions? As uh, my colleague said, in Kakuma Secondary, we have uh, almost 4,000 students. And that one can make over around 30 to 40 schools all over Kenya if we are comparing the number of students in the Kamiya and those in Downey. So what I want the donors to do is that to at least increase the number of secondary schools. Because if you see, we have uh, around 22 primary schools and only five secondary schools, of which the ratio is very big. That one cannot fit into it. I urge them that uh, at least they increase the number of secondary schools to seven or eight secondary schools in the camp. Thank you. So last question, is everyone okay? Are we together? Yes. yes. Have you enjoyed hearing from them? Yes. Uh, thank you. You've been a wonderful, wonderful audience to also listen in. What do you do for fun? Uh, as I said, I do practice modeling. Okay. Okay, you're a dancer. Break dance also. Wow. Okay. Break dance, football, modeling. Okay, fantastic. You're busy. You're busy. Mr. Mr. Youth Kakama is very busy. <laughs> okay. I don't only entertain myself because since I'm a Mr. Youth and I've taken the chance to train other people. Okay. On Saturday and Sunday, I do have classes to upcoming to raise those of coming. You're teaching classes? Yeah. You're, yeah, te I'm teaching, you're teaching what 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 kind of class are you teaching? Like dancing. Okay. I do teach dance, like break dancing, salsa. Fan like wow. Teach, also modeling. Wow. And you're teaching modeling also. And who are your students? Are they other young people or adults or Yeah, young people but not girls, you know. Boys, yeah. <laughs> Okay, let me ask somebody else. Abut, how about you? What do you do for fun? What do you enjoy? Okay, to me, uh, I enjoy uh, watching footballs. Okay. And um, most of the time, I like reading novels and fans and jokes. These okay. Are the okay, do you have a good joke you can tell us? Tell okay, us. Okay, it is a very short one. Okay. It says, uh, what was was before it was was. So what was was before it was was. <laughs> What was was? Yeah, what was was? That's the joke, huh? That's the joke. <laughs> that's very clever. Anyone have, I think that's the answer, right? Was was was. Abuna, the answer is is. Because after is, it comes to past, it becomes was, and then it is was. Okay, so is was was. Okay, thank you. Good joke. Okay. How about you, Ismail? What do you do for fun? Me, me I am a footballer. Okay. And uh, go, I'm not a uh, I'm not a teacher like how my colleagues said, but I'm just a footballer. I'm a team. Okay. I'm a team member. Okay. And uh, who's your team? Huh? What's your team name? My team. Yeah, your team. Fly City. Fly City. Yes. Okay, fantastic. Are you good? Is your team good? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. Majok, how about you? What do you do for fun? President Obama, what do you do for fun? Okay, uh, you know, me sometimes, 
Uh, even my witch can tell I don't play football. Huh? I don't, I don't, I'm not fan of the game because uh, I'm, okay, I'm, ta, I'm after leadership. So okay. when you are a leader, you don't need to interact with them. No, 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 my joke, my joke, no, no, no. Yeah. no, so, no. <laughs> uh, at my own free time, I used yeah. to take my time to watch the movies, like the African speeches of the year, like uh, the speech of Professor Lomoko. You know, I used okay. to be uh, I want to measure my skill on how to be the, uh, the future president of South Wow. I cannot, I cannot argue with that, and pardon me for saying no, no, no. I wanted to tell you, you need to have fun. But you know what? I appreciate that, that you're taking time to hone your skills and become stronger, and Patrice Lamumba is an excellent place to, to invest your skills. Well done. Well done to you. Well, I am so grateful and humbled by all of you, every single one of you. Some of you, we didn't talk to you directly, but you've been here, you've been listening, you've been supporting. And as I look at each of your faces, what I see in each of you is the same potential as everybody who is here we talk to. The potential to change Kakuma for the better, or to change your home country for the better, or change the world for the better. And so we are so grateful that you've had us here. So Asanteni Sana, we're so grateful, and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this very special edition of Uproot in collaboration with UNICEF. And to our students, Lamia, Niamal, Patience, Jacqueline, Abut, Majok, Ismail, and Suleiman, and all of the students at Morneau Chapelle and Kakama Secondary School, thank you so much for the courage you had to share with us your stories. You have left an indelible mark, and we will not soon forget what a privilege it is to partner with you as you pursue your goals and invest in your future. We'd also like to express a great deal of thanks to the UNICEF team in the Kakama Refugee Camp who facilitated our visit and all the teachers and faculty and leadership at Kakama Secondary School and Morneau Chapelle Secondary School who helped make this recording possible. As our beloved Wangari Mathai says, you have to keep at it until it becomes rooted. And I can't think of a better example than these students who remind us that we have to keep at it. Listeners, I hope you'll tune in next time for part two of Stories from Kakama Refugee Camp. <laughs> <laughs>